Welcome to the Up for Discussion podcast, the only show on the internet where we talk about the things that we talk about in the order we talk about them. I am Tom Zalatni. I'm Simon Peltier. My name is Tim Blay. Guys, this is our 50th episode, and we have an amazing Ooh. guest in store for you today. The most special guest. He's the guy who wrote Hamilton. That is not true. <laughs> <laughs> no, why, don't you, why don't you introduce yourself? Oh, you said you're going to introduce me. That was an introduction. <laughs> Guys, we have Hank Green on the show. <laughs> Hank Green, uh, creator of Crash Course, SciShow, co-creator of Vlogbrothers, uh, the guy who started VidCon. Am I missing anything? You've got a bunch of stuff under your oh, belt. Sh- yeah, it depends on how you count. But those those are good ones. I also have a podcast. Oh, that's yeah. true. Which is the most important mm-hmm. thing to mention yeah. to podcast listeners. Yeah. It's called Dear fan. Hank and John. Dear Hank and John, I've listened to yeah. every episode. Not to brag. Uh, it's uh, me and uh, and the creator of of Hamilton, Lin Manuel Miranda. We t- uh, give people advice, uh, <gasps> and we answer people's yeah. questions, and we talk about Mars and uh, and English football. Uh, yeah. and amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't, he's, li- he's, I didn't realize that Lin Manuel was so into football. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, super into mm-hmm. it, and also just like uh, you know, always got time to podcast with me because mm-hmm. he doesn't have that much going on. For sure. What else is he doing in his life? Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, if you have time to podcast, like, who do you think is busier, <laughs> you or Lin Manuel Miranda? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I I was watching recently. What did we talk about this podcast? It doesn't Whatever. matter. I was watching watching recently the uh, this the, when he first uh, at at like the White House poetry slam or uh, i'm not mm-hmm. sure what it was but he like uh debuted alexander hamilton right, like, like seven Obama. years ago or something yeah and he looks so young and right? fresh <laughs> yeah and yeah. i'm like oh man putting on a broadway show must be very hard <laughs> <laughs> well i mean if you even look at him like on the on the cover of in the heights like the the album cover it's like oh yeah, he's he's like he's the kid that he's playing. Well, and like wow. eight years yeah. changes a person a lot too, right? It's true. It's true. Like yeah, eight I years just, ago, I was in high school and I was a baby. Yeah. Just go watch some early my videos and be <laughs> like, what a what a little child. What yeah, a that's child he was. Oh, that's true. You, I think you were, you were the age that I am now when you started doing Vlogbrothers. I think that's I was. Right. Wow. 34 or 24 25 you okay yeah i'm now 26 so i guess i i've surpassed your beginnings oh yes well you have yes you yeah uh well back then i did not have a podcast that anyone listened to (laughs) well i I don't have a podcast that anyone listens to you know perhaps perhaps that will change um i was actually that was something that i was curious to you know to get you on being someone who's sort of like been a creator from close to the beginning, but like a fan of YouTube creation since mm. before, like since like Zay Frank, since before it was even on YouTube, right? Can you go back to the part where you said I was a creator from close to the beginning? So basically God, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> pretty much. So, so mean, the beginning a- happened and then I was the creator. Uh, I, just I after say the that. beginning. I mean, I okay. think my point is that the world didn't exist before the internet. Like, this is... <laughs> <laughs> right, right. No, I, I understand that perspective quite well. There was before the singularity and after the singularity. And before it just doesn't matter. Everything has Correct. changed. The hankularity? Um, sure. 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 <laughs> that, that was a Accepted. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. I feel like we sort of, we maybe lack a little bit of the perspective, right? Like, okay, so you want me to give you some like hardcore old school YouTube perspective? I'll tell well, you. Well, not necessarily. Like, I, what I what I'm interested in more than history is trajectory. Like, oh, we, okay. We see, we see the uh, you know the present of YouTube and like a little bit of the past, but it's mm. I find it really hard to predict the future of YouTube. I mostly like I hear people telling me things about like this is right. You know, it's it's getting much harder for people to succeed, or sure, like, yeah. the, the model is is changing in this way or that yeah. way. But I've uh-huh. only been like we've only been doing this for like three or four years, and I'm wondering if you see sort of like a longer trend to this stuff. Well, I don't think that my, the the trend that I see is that informed by the past, mm. um, by the past of YouTube. I think that the like like media has happened for a long time, uh, and I think that the trends I see are much more informed by the trajectory of TV or the trajectory of movies or the trajectory even of radio, right? Um, where you you know you're looking at uh, 
we are now like sort of past the initial uh like the, the golden West the golden of era of nobody knowing what they're doing and mm-hmm. and people like all being well i guess nobody was ever like there was never a time when everybody was all friends uh, <laughs> <laughs> there, always, there's always been drama uh is what i mean by that yeah and uh uh, yeah, but but like I think that what you see is that it gets more mature and more money comes in, and the more money you can make, the more complicated it gets. And um, and you know it, it's interesting to see, like my experience being in the middle of YouTube since close to the beginning has been around the middle, but at least like like being a part of it, um, is has been uh, experiencing. It, it has given me a lot of perspective on like watching new platforms and what they do and mm. and seeing like what pitfalls YouTube might have missed and what might have like really been a huge hit to the platform and things that didn't happen that did happen to other platforms and like the and the reasons why YouTube became so special and and long lived and uh and you know like and like has continued to be uh, a powerful thing, um, you know, like, and and the things that the the different engines that drove it at different points in its history, and mm-hmm. I think that it, you know, a different engine has taken over right now. But the other thing to remember, and that is so easy to forget, is that uh, a platform, a media, or a medium is not uh, defined just by the the biggest four things at the top but that's how we tend to imagine them and how we tend to talk about them when we're analyzing them so when we talk about vine you know like back when like like the the sort of vine explosion was happening uh-huh. it was it was very tempting for me as someone who didn't know very much about, about vine to just think of vine as the sort of collective uh of the like top four viners right but yeah. in fact there's lots of stuff happening um you know, below the surface and then below, below the surface and then deeper than that. And there's like weird art stuff happening on Vine. Uh, And in the same way, like just because like the top engine, like the top interesting big new thing that's getting lots of views on YouTube happening right now is BuzzFeed. That doesn't mean that there aren't things that are bigger than what YouTube used to be just and and that are vibrant and interesting and weird and unexplored and unappreciated uh, (laughs) happening just below the surface. Uh, yeah. that that we don't really consider to be part of the the current landscape of YouTube, even though like you know they might be bigger than than like the biggest thing that was happening five years ago. That's something that's kind of interesting in term like that's something that I see happening a lot in different sort of social network platforms and like social media platforms and stuff is that. I don't know, maybe because it's so organic, like it's a great thing and a terrible thing that you can get these really sort of self-enclosed cultures, like where there's lots of different ones on the same platform. Like you take Twitter, for example, like there's the whole subculture of black Twitter, which is very sort Mm -hmm. of like, like has all these internal things to it. And then on the other hand, like if you go to particular people and you look at the responses to their tweets, you'll get into like hardcore right wing right. Alex Jones, Twitter. And like those people don't <laughs> communicate with each other. Like they've, right. They've, well, they've butted off into almost their own thing. The, the fast, like just yesterday I was, uh, you know, I was on Twitter and I saw that the new episode of game of Thrones must have just come out because it was, uh, you know the the second highest top trending thing yeah. on Twitter, and it even and it got something I'd never seen before, which is like a special icon for the hashtag. Yes, and so this hashtag is trending. It's it's big. You know, a new episode of Game of Thrones, like huge, huge thing in the internet world, in the Twitterverse. It's like a thing. <coughs> Every and it's very exciting, and it's a very exciting episode. I don't know when this podcast comes out, but <laughs> this will this will be talking. coming out on May the fourth. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's the Star Wars opening. Oh. Oh. Excellent. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So. So it was this, the second episode of season six, and uh, and then I I see that it is in fact not the top trending hashtag. Uh, this okay. this big amazing event that gets its own icon inside of the hashtag. Uh, the top trending hash the top trending hashtag is a world re- wrestling entertainment hashtag. And I was like, okay. oh, okay. So like the world is diverse and complicated and, and like never and like I know very few people who are into WWE stuff. Yeah. But like that's you know, on Twitter, bigger than Game of Thrones. Yeah. And crazy, un- 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 unbelievable to my brain, but there <laughs> it is. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think I'm I'm constantly surprised mm. by the things that are trending on Twitter that like mm. Yeah. The top five of them I rarely know what more than one of them is. Totally. Yeah. For <laughs> mm-hmm. a while, uh love and hip hop, uh, I think New York or LA was uh was trending a lot on Twitter and I would look at that and I would just see it would be L A H H N Y and I was like, I'm sure that means something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. So do you think that is that's happening with YouTube too that it's sort of segmenting down into oh yeah pockets? Yeah, and and it's a very it's a difficult thing for for VidCon, uh which is how I, you know, the reason why I do a lot of mm-hmm. online video analysis like deep broad like broad online video analysis is because um because you know, I I try to have this conference that represents what's going on in internet culture and an online video right. and that's uh it's getting harder and harder to do because it's such it's so ridiculously diverse and that's great there's nothing wrong with that it's just that i sort of have to maybe give up on that dream of wanting it to <laughs> represent everything and everyone um and that's you know that's okay i'm not that's not the end of the world for me but yeah it definitely is and i think that's actually a good thing for the platform uh even as it makes it feel a little less special to all of us hipsters who were around <laughs> back when everybody knew each other yeah but i suppose that the yeah the trade-off of becoming the world's video platform is that yeah. you have all of the world's culture <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um it's uh, yeah, and I can. T- I, mean, I I I just went down a little bit of a rabbit hole today, and I found two new channels I'd never seen before that regularly get like five, six hundred thousand views, making fairly like you know education e content, uh, informational educational content, which is like totally my wheelhouse. Yeah. And they were both great, and I hadn't seen either of them. Huh. Oh. Uh, and and this all six hundred thousand of these people discovered it before me. You want to frustrate them? What are they? Um, let's see if I can remember. One of them was called Ahoy, which was a gaming, uh, it was like analysis of, of gaming stuff. Um, and, and the other one, it was on Reddit. Uh, it was, uh, a video, um, sorry for the, sorry for the the silence. We can put it, we can put it in the comments or something. Yeah, we'll put it in the comments. It was, sorry guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a uh, you know one of these one of these stick figure uh, full, like full screen like voiceover stick figure things uh, uh-huh. in in sort of the style of CGP Grey, but not uh, but obviously not. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, like like discussing uh, science y or uh, you know, like a very in a very funny contextualized way that was very very much aimed at uh, twenty four to thirty five year old men. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's a one thing that that happened to me recently was that like I realized that there are other languages on YouTube which like <laughs> sort of like I knew that happened but it was yeah. because like just because I I happen to live in in a French culture right in Montreal um do you do you know of the French channel called Dirty Biology? Have you heard of this? No. No. It's the uh it's the second largest science channel in it like of like French language YouTube. Um and it's brilliant. Like it for for a long time watching youtube i was really like there's sort of this thing it seems to me on like english science youtube where physics kind of has like the top spot everywhere like everybody's Mm -hmm. everybody's doing physics um and the people like you know i i really admire what you're doing with crash course kind of like giving a really broad thing but like i i really wanted someone like veritasium you know or something that Mm -hmm. like or like um that really goes in depth into biology because i know physics right like physics i'm intimately connected with but I was mm-hmm. getting tired of always hearing the things that I already knew about explained in interesting ways instead of actually discovering new stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And then I discover, because this guy just happens to tweet at me and say, hey, I'm in Montreal. We should, uh, you know, we should meet up and go for coffee. And it's, it's brilliant stuff. Like he's, there's something about maybe, maybe he's, he's just willing to be less like politically correct. Be, and maybe like being French allows him to do that because he goes right into like the details of like, like human evolution and like sort of social biology and stuff like that. And he has like 20 minute long videos that are like super engaging and explore this that I would never have been aware of. <laughs> yeah. Is he, is That's he from great. Montreal or is he no, from he's France? No, he's, he actually lives in Thailand oh. now because huh. he, uh, that's he re- a pretty French country, right? Yeah, well, I, he started off in France, but then he moved actually because he was like, I want to do YouTube as a career. 
Thailand is way cheaper to live. I'm going <laughs> <laughs> to move to Thailand. Oh, and, man. Uh, they got to put that in the playbook. They're yeah. like, oh, you want to do YouTube for a living? Move to Mexico City. Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, it probably works. Yeah, but don't, but uh, don't make, but make sure you continue to make content for, for Americans because they have all the money. Right. <laughs> um, That's true. Yeah, the, the YouTube channel I was looking for was Casually Explained. Casually Explained. Okay. I believe is the name of it. Um, yeah. So mm. I, I, they, they just started making content uh, like three months ago and oh, I wow. watched, I've, I've started watching all of their stuff. Um, so how do you pull those kinds of numbers after three months? That's wild. Reddit as my guess, yeah, uh, yeah. like uh, it, it, it seems very much like uh, exactly the kind of thing that Red, Reddit would eat up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is where I found it. So, yeah, that'll do it. So, uh, Simon, you had something you wanted to ask Hank and possibly me about. You were yeah, saying, right? Yeah, kind of, kind of the, the the two of you. I recently heard about uh, um, uh, uh, what's it called? Starshot. Ah, yeah, and I wanted to. I wanted to like it. It seems very ambitious, to say the least. Um, <laughs> for the for the the, the audience members, uh, audience members, sure, yeah, sure. audience members who don't know uh, what Starshot is, it's uh, per- perhaps Hank, you can you can clarify specifically how it works. But basically, it's this plan to send like a fleet of iPhone sized probes not with, not iphone size like iphone chip size like a really yeah. really chip small. size yeah. oh pardon me okay, delicious so incredibly small probes into space that could go to like alpha centauri yeah. which is like 4.37 light years away it's our closest star yeah, yeah it's our closest star um and it, it, so it could go there in like 20 to 30 years but propelled by lasers yeah 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 earth earth-based lasers yes. yeah shooting through the atmosphere with uh, potentially, I don't know what what was the number. Just the, un- the number, the num- which uh, number? I think it was uh, <laughs> the hundred gigawatts. A hundred gigawatts. Was, That's yeah. just yes. You can't. Oh man, I feel really bad for the atmosphere right now. Wait, <laughs> like, hold on, gigawatts I, or gigawatts? This is an important. Question. <laughs> <laughs> you could you could power like fifty time traveling devices with this much power. Wow. This is yeah. No, yeah, well, I, yeah. Apparently, time travel is easier than space travel. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, that my so so I have I have concerns with this idea. Okay. Uh, the uh, the main one is I I do not know what firing that laser through the atmosphere would in fact do to it. Well, um, is it is it supposed to be like what what's the maximum laser power we have currently fired through the atmosphere? Uh, like, a lot less than that. <laughs> like I, I guess and, it would and be and they those... leave it on for like for like minutes. It stays yeah. on. And I just, I, I kind of can't imagine that it doesn't like light the surrounding landscape on fire. <laughs> so, so it'd be like, like in the new Star Wars movie where they're watching that yes, gigantic exactly. tower of light come up and yes. it's like, you guys in real life would be entirely vaporized by this process. Huh. Yes. Yeah. Wow. yeah I, I mean, one, one hopes that the, the base was on Starkiller base was on the opposite side of the planet from the laser, right? <laughs> well, it doesn't look like it though. Like in the shot, there it's like this, yeah. you know, the army and the firing, you know, the death yeah. ray right there. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. well. You don't know exactly how that laser works, do you? No, I, no. I don't. It's it's translight hyperspace, yeah. hyper nonsense. hyperspace nonsense. laser fire. Parsecs, yeah. parsecs. <laughs> but parsecs. like, like how how does like how do you power things or how how, do you, how can you move things with lasers? That's okay, what, so this yeah. this like oh, this that's, is an idea that's that not that is, a me question. Yeah, this is an idea that has been around for <laughs> quite a long time. Like I first yeah. heard about this idea of sending tiny probes using like light sails and lasers to nearby stars in a book. It was a very interesting book. It was called The Physics of Immortality. Oh, The Fault in Our Stars. I've heard of it. <laughs> um, it was, it was by, by this uh, this kind of really kooky, weird physicist named Frank Frank Tipler, who um, I'm not sure, you know, which what is the chicken and what is the egg, but like has decided that God and Christianity are true, but has also decided that it's because humanity is going to populate the universe. And then as the universe collapses, we're going to create God, and then God will come back in time and affect humanity. Ah, it was it was a very it. it was a very strange kind of like interstellarish premise that he had, mm-hmm. and I think it's all rendered mute rendered moot now by the fact that the universe is not going to big crunch, which is, is what isn't everything that what was based Mormons on. Believe though, 
So I, I mean, <laughs> possibly. Um, but anyways, his his first thing was about how to populate the universe, and this is you know this is how you do it most conveniently. Is you mm-hmm. don't send people, you send a tiny probe, and if you if you're good enough at robotics, you send a tiny probe with some fertilized eggs on it, and you raise them over there. So that was that was his idea of how to like populate the universe, which I think is pretty common. But uh, I mean, it's not it's not too hard. You you put a sail out there. You bounce light off it. Light has momentum, so when it bounces off the sail, oh, then okay. the momentum right. of the light will be transferred to the sail. And if you're if you're accelerating something really really light, then yeah. if you have enough power, you can get it going really fast. I mean, you say, <laughs> oh, okay, but but I'm still not like I'm willing to accept <laughs> that light has momentum, <laughs> but I'm but I'm not willing to I'm not willing to say that I uh, I'm I'm ever going to wrap my mind around the fact that something that has no mass yeah. can yet have momentum. It's like it's not mm-hmm. obvious, but <laughs> it's not like one of those things like oh shoot I, yeah I forgot my my yeah. I was told in my crib that light had momentum and immediately made sense to and me. Yeah, oh of course of course I get hit by things that have no mass all the time and I can feel them pushing upon me yeah, yeah. so you, you you wouldn't be willing to do what mark zuckerberg uh mark zuckerberg, <laughs> mark zuckerberg. What, what mark zuckerberg is doing and putting a hundred million dollars behind it is, is it mark oh, zuckerberg no. is he on this and no, it's mark zuckerberg Stephen Hawking. no he's he's funding it it's yet it's led by yuri milner who's that yeah he's um, he's a russian richie yeah rich pants <laughs> yeah he, he's an investor in a bunch of in like facebook twitter and like alibaba and stuff um, okay. He's the one kind of leading it, but mm. uh, it's it's uh, it's got the support of Stephen Hawking and Mark Zuckerberg. So Zuckerberg. Well, I'm not I'm I'm yeah. not saying it's a terrible idea. Uh, I I you know, like I love so I you know I I recently uh, wrote a script. I don't know if it turned into an episode because that's I I get confused very easily. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's not I, a script uh, to Hamilton, is it? <laughs> I don't. I'll, I'll, you know, little pieces here and there. Um, but I, uh, yeah, the, the, that like, there's a reason why we haven't done interstellar travel and it's, you know, like beyond the, like, there's a good reason not to do it beyond the fact that like, it's very difficult and expensive. Uh, but also in the time that it will take us to, to develop the technology, and then launch the craft, and then for it to get there, by the time it gets there, we will probably have developed better technology that will allow us to get there first, right. before the thing that we already launched. And, uh, and uh, but like at the same time, like if you just always let that be your excuse, then uh, you're never going to do it. So well, I'm glad somebody's thinking about it. And like the speed of light imposes kind of a hard limit on that, right? right? Like yes. once you. Once you get to an appreciable fraction of the speed of light, you're I, not going to go faster. I do quite like that. Like, I feel like if you're going to, if you're talking about getting something up to, you know, to 20% the speed of light, then okay, we're, we're good. Let's do it. But, yeah. you know, we're not talking about getting something substantial up to that speed. We're talking about getting something that weighs like, you know, as much as your fingernail. Yeah. So, uh, which, you know, uh, more power to them for that. I, let's, <laughs> let's do it. But, um, you know, maybe by the time it gets there, we'll be like, well, we could get something there at the same time that would be, you know, maybe have a little bit better sensing ability as it yeah. flies through the solar system, terrifying whatever aliens are there uh, <laughs> that will then wake up to the fact that we're around, come destroy us and uh, and take all of our minerals. If there if there's aliens on Alpha Centauri, that would be, I mean, I, I know that it's fairly clear that we're probably not alone in the universe, but... Near, it would be good odds. Nearest neighbor is a yeah. bit of a stretch to me. I think. You know. Yeah, I mean, it would it would be uh, it would be surprising that we hadn't uh, caught any wind of that. Like it would basically, if you're if you're gonna go with that, you basically have to go with the, like the Fermi paradox solution where everybody is hiding from us, right? The, like, yeah. yeah. Everywhere is colonized, except they're leaving us alone, like a prime directive thing. Right. Yeah. yeah, and and also everyone has gotten this memo that you shouldn't be constantly shooting, uh, you know, your your radio waves out into space. Well, uh, we're abandoning radio waves, right? We're mostly. It's like- true. That's the thing. Uh, that this whole this whole Fermi paradox thing it, it relied upon a continuous stream of like high energy electromagnetic uh, communications shooting yeah. out from the planet, but it turns out it's not a sphere. It's a shell. It's a tiny, thin little moment in the history of a civilization where we do that. And then yeah, we find better it's, systems. It's like, like we, 
I guess that's kind of the hubris of of present day humanity at any stage, yeah. right? That we presume aliens are going to be just like us, only like maybe ten years more advanced or something. Yeah, which is and know. also like octopusy, <laughs> <laughs> but with human faces, sort of. I think the so, plural is octopodes. <laughs> it wasn't plural. I was I was ad- adjectifying it. Octopus esque. Yeah, octopus esque. Yeah, yeah. yeah. octopusy, just a James Bond movie. Yeah, <laughs> and also, and also just like a bunch of DVD beings just flying into space. Yeah, I'm th- thinking a lot about about the like the this and also the artificial intelligence question and about kind of mm-hmm. like the space of possible minds and that that fact that we have no clue what an artificial how an artificial intelligence would think or how an alien would think, right? Because mm-hmm. all of our ideas about what intelligent beings do is based on this one example we have of humanity. Well, not just on this one example we have of humanity, but this one example we have of life. Yeah. Like, like you can look at an octopus and say like, Oh, that would, that is the weirdest smart thing. That's for sure. They diverged from humans way down the evolutionary tree, but like not that far. Yeah. Long, long way down, but like, you know, a lot, a lot, ways after archaea they still have uh, nerves they yeah, yeah they still have and they still have like dna so the yeah the the question of the question of what life would look like if it started from a completely different place and then what mm-hmm. intelligent life would look like if it started from there that, that, that kind of reminds not, me uh, my brain is not prepared yes have you read the solaris by stanislaw lem nope no, it's a. It's is, a is that the the guy who made the uh, the hydrogen bomb? No, no. Stanislaw Lem was just like a sci, like a sci fi writer who wrote uh, this this book as a response to um, uh, two thousand one a space odyssey. But the book mm. that it was based off of, okay, um, and which it, is also called two thousand one a space odyssey. Okay, yeah, yes. I was, I was <laughs> not a novel pushed by Sapphire. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, so like it's it's about this uh, this this ship that encounters this planet called polaris that is a giant ocean but the ocean is alive and mm. like it's it st- starts creating these weird like neutrino based copies of the people on the ship and stuff and it's super weird and it was like lem's attempt to say that like if there is life out there we're probably not gonna understand it because every time they try to send probes down there it just sends up like ten thousand versions of that probe back up and they don't get why mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i like it yeah, it was yeah. Pre- it was pretty interesting. It was an interesting book. I re- mm. I'd recommend it to yeah. everyone out there. Cool. Yeah. I'm gonna check the Stanislaw yeah. Lem, like L E M L E M. Yeah. Okay. And it like it it it, it seems to me like it, the deeper you get into like certain types of science, like I've noticed that in neuroscience and to a certain extent, uh, sort of physics and astrophysics, like the deeper you get into it, the the more it starts to resemble philosophy, mm. and like. You think of like I don't know like I, I don't know if that seems maybe it's just me as a as a layperson, but that's kind of the impression that I've get that that I've gotten from sort of conversations, like like the ones that you guys just had. Well, it seems yeah, yeah it seems like philosophy is kind of I don't know. It, to me, it seems like there's been an interesting convergence recently where a lot of people in the the sciencey kind of world are starting to realize. And maybe it's just that I've started to realize and therefore <laughs> and now I see it everywhere. Right. But like that idea that, oh, yeah, like we need we should actually be thinking hard about philosophy. Like mm-hmm. I started thinking this about three or four months ago. And then I think immediately went on YouTube and noticed that Crash Course Philosophy was coming up. And I was like, oh, that's useful. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also started listening to this podcast called uh, The Partially Examined Life, which is sort of mm. three guys like us who happen to also be philosophy majors and just sit around and talk. I've heard of it. Um, but yeah, it seems like because maybe it's it's a backlash to sort of like the, the Bill Nye and Neil deGrasse Tyson things that have happened in the mm. recent past where they've sort of been bashing philosophy. Mm. And then the backlash yeah. of that by the internet has been, oh no, like we need to actually understand what this yeah. is before we reject it. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, uh, be figuring out how to be a human is a, is an important thing. <laughs> like it's it, it, 
The idea that like uh, pure rationality or understanding exactly how the universe works actually informs like how I should treat someone. Mm. Uh, that's not the case. So like, clearly <laughs> there are reasons to think about this stuff or, yeah. or even inform like, you know, like there are, there are times when crash course philosophy has frustrated me in the production of it where I'm okay. like, are we really talking about this? Like, do we really like, why don't we just say, no, that's not <laughs> like, this isn't a thing. Uh, we used to think this was a thing. It's not anymore. <laughs> like, uh, like, no, there is but, no God. <laughs> yes, base, basically. We talked, that, you know, like in, in intro philosophy, there's a lot of like, we have to talk about how we developed our tools for examining ourselves in the world. And the, a lot of the way those tools were developed was around the question of whether or not you can prove God exists. Yeah. And, it's, and it's, like, it's funny, no, you, you can't. Come <laughs> Obviously. Uh, but like, it, it frustrates me when I'm like, can't we just talk about the tools we developed rather than this this like very old discussion that we're not going to get to the bottom of because it's the most contentious conversation you could possibly have. Right. Uh, and uh, yeah, and, and instead, let's move on to like, you know, how do we how do I know what knowledge is and that I exist, which I think are compelling uh, things to, to wonder. Huh. But on the uh, other hand, if you're going for the record of most comments on a YouTube video, you'd better... That's uh, not. Not what I was going for. I don't <laughs> want that. <laughs> better stick uh, that in there. Yeah. Yeah. But I I, I definitely agree that uh, I, I've been I've been seeing it more. And uh, but but I I back to the original comment. I, I think that I think that the, the reason that science and neuroscience can feel more like philosophy when you get deeper isn't because you're getting so deep into this complicated thing it's because you you approach things that you don't know that mm. we don't know and that are very difficult to sort of like Im- immediately understand or can mm. like just like get your mind to to work with uh but but mostly like the things that you we just don't know yet and so you know like it's we've got a bunch of hypotheses and then we have to work out which ones they are. And then you're talking about like, you get a little closer to like, which one of these sounds more right to you, which is more philosophy than science. That's true. But I think like also going down, like everything that you find out, you can ask why and then end Mm -hmm. up going deeper. And if you ask why enough times, you inevitably wind back on a philosophical question, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. 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 Like, uh, why do you keep asking, Hank? <laughs> what, what is this? What is this deep need to understand the universe? What hole are you trying to fill with knowledge? Why does this make you feel superior to other people? Well, yeah. that's a good question. Have you come up with any convincing <laughs> answers for yourself that allow you to sleep at night? Uh, uh, well, no, I, I try, I, I, I have tried to, uh, to, to, to make it so that, and this has been a, a long process of more than a decade, uh, make my love of knowledge not be about feeling superior, but about pure, like, you know, exploration, curiosity. This is fun. Finding out stuff is fun because it's fun. Um, yeah. And that that being that being the thing that drives me. And, and But also knowing that that is not the thing that started me on this path, and that the thing that started me on this path was a little bit shameful, uh, and that's okay because that's because uh, we all do shameful things, and yeah. uh, as it, it and and I'm happy to have recognized that about myself that it was it was once about uh, you know feeling superior, which I see a lot of my audience, and it frustrates me sometimes. Mm. But then you know that was me once. Yeah, and I think you know as a as the communicator now of those ideas, you know, you become the person who at least they're going to kind of listen to. If you tell them, mm. hey, this is not yeah, you'd the think. point of your knowledge, right? <laughs> you'd think. <laughs> <laughs> you, you would think, but you know, you, you obviously can't control mm. everybody. Yeah. Which yeah. reminds me of, you, uh, you had a tweet a little while ago that I wanted to ask you, if, you came to, if you came to a resolution on it. Okay. Um, you, you, you asked Only Twitter, one. if someone was being a real jerk in the comments section of one of your videos, would oh, it be yeah. right for them to to ban them from watching your content. Yeah, and so was, not just ban them from leaving comments, but to say, okay, you've lost your privileges to consume my content. Yeah, <laughs> I was wondering if you like if you came to any conclusions about that or like what you were thinking about. Uh, I it 
it was it was basically like a obviously a pure thought experiment there's not like there's no way to do that and there never will be yeah. but um i i was thinking about uh people who watch my videos who i don't want to watch my videos hmm. and i it's and it's it's like the question is like if they couldn't leave a comment if they didn't leave a comment would it matter um and i think probably no because but like i like i think that the comments have a I think that a community, the community around content, has a huge impact on the kind of people that watch that comment content and the kind of people that feel safe, and not safe, but like feel uh, welcomed enjoying that content mm-hmm. and feel like it's like a normal, proper thing for them to be there. And uh, and I am ve- very frustrated when I see comments on a SciShow video that make me feel like people are creating a fun space for people like themselves that might make it seem exclusionary toward people who aren't like them um and like sometimes that's that's fun and it's all in good fun and like you know like what are you gonna do this is what people do and sometimes it's mean-spirited and terrible and i'm like oh my god go away uh (laughs) is this is this is this really the people who come to watch my content uh and how did i end up in that world but um but i mean that's it's yeah, so that I was thinking specifically about SciShow, and and I do struggle with that sometimes because I will see little culture clashes happening down there, and uh, and I am inevitably on one side. I do not come down in the middle in those conversations, and when I when I come down on pretty hard on one side, that person on the other side, I'm wondering what it is about my content that makes them feel welcome, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and how to make them not feel welcome. Yeah, I guess that's like. That's the question. Are we as creators, like, how much power do we have to create this community other than the things that we make, right? Like, do, is is that where our power stops in terms of, like, here here's what I've set up and then whatever you take from that, you just have to, especially when it's, like, a free platform where anyone's available to see it. Oh, no. oh I think we just lost Hank. We no. did. We've lost We're gonna connection. We're going to take a brief break to, uh, to quickly hear a word from our sponsors, and when we get back, we will continue our chat with Hank. Ooh, hello, I am the podcast sponsor ghost. I'm here because we have no sponsors. So spooky. If you haven't already, please take this time to go subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also follow us on Twitter at DownWithTalking and individually at TomZalatni, at KnowTheOtherSimon, and at AcapellaScience. Go give Hank a follow as well at Hank Green. And if you'd like to support the show financially, you can head to Patreon.com slash UpForDiscussion and pledge as little or as much as you want. We recommend pledging as much as you want so that we can do this show for free. Free is our favorite number. Woo! Starshot, ho! <laughs> Starshots, we're Yay. back. Well, welcome. Yay. All right, welcome back ah, to the sorry. Upper Discussion Podcast. We apologize for that technical difficulty. Hopefully, you, you got for to that message break. You got to learn about Patroon. Yeah, what, <laughs> what were we? Uh, what were we talking about? We were talking about. Oh, uh, we're talking about the responsibility of YouTube creators to uh, right. to create. Uh, yeah, YouTube you know. YouTube community creation. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, both both. You know, like whether you have a responsibility to and whether you are like whether you should if you could. Yeah, mostly um, do you, like how much of the how much capability do you think you have to like to do that? Right. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of it comes down to the kind of content that you make. Um, and, you know, on Vlogbrothers, we have a very, you know, like respectful, careful audience because like a lot of our stuff is just like here I am thinking about things and people aren't going to watch that if they just want to be trolly harassers because uh, mm. it's boring. Um, but, you know, I think that, yeah, I, I, there, there's, you know, my current operating uh, psychoanalysis of certain SciShow viewers is that they're there to feel superior to other people. Right. And, and like this is, and this is based on my own past. Um, and so like they're, you know, they're into that. And when someone disagrees with them, that's a fun thing. And I literally have, I'm not joking with you. Uh, I think probably within arm's reach because I, I just, I like, you know, I pulled this out of my parents' house and I brought it with me to my house when I moved out, a, a binder that has a bunch of old stuff in it. And one of the things in that binder I printed out in 1997 
a, uh, a an argument I had with a creationist. Oh, uh, that's and what I, talking and about I this. still yeah. I still have it. Like I thought that that was like a good I like I thought it was important enough in my life to print it out <laughs> and yeah. apparently to continue not throwing it away for 20 years. Do you yeah. uh, do you want to feel old for a second? Sure, yeah. What year was that again? 97. Simon and I were 4, four years old. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> but uh that's 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 interesting because I like I grew up Catholic, um, and I actually like in, for a portion of my life it was I was I was homeschooled, and I had a lot of uh, like science textbooks, which were actually great science textbooks as long as they were talking about like geology and physics and stuff. And then they got really terrible when they did evolutionary biology because they just said this is wrong, um, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so for for a while, like for me, it was very important. To un- like to form my own opinions on that stuff, like going to college and you know learning actual biology, um, and I found that on like Facebook creationist forums, where I would go and watch as two titans of mutual non comprehension slugged it out in the comments because it was <laughs> it was always like the most belligerent atheist versus right. the most belligerent creationist who would you know do all these things right and I. I don't know. I like the the thing with that is that I found it very interesting to be that middleman to watch from the sidelines and like mm-hmm. not take part in the vitriol and a lot of the times try to be that person being like, okay, you're you don't understand that person and that person doesn't understand you. You should both go away and like read these books from the other person's perspective. Um, but that was also how I formed my opinion, and it wouldn't have been possible mm-hmm. if that Ugh. those sorts of debates hadn't happened. You know. So, yeah, I get. I guess I, I am so afraid of the arguments that are happening right now on the internet, and the people thinking that the reason they're having the argument is because they, because people are witnessing this argument and they're forming their opinions right now. Yeah, the and problem, so it's like, so I'm fighting this holy battle for evolution, and it doesn't matter what prisoners I take. Yeah. Uh, and in fact. It would be real nice if the if the uh, if you know the opinions about evolution were formed. I don't know in the science class. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> yeah, but like that's yeah that's the weird thing is that you can't you know you can't condemn internet debate even when it's awful as like, like oh I can people, though like the, <laughs> like, the, like the, but the people who are having these obnoxious debates they may be doing it because they think they're affecting someone. The weird thing is that they might be affecting someone. Now, the thing is, I guess also, well, I was, I wasn't because it was an email, right? Cause it was back in the day. Yeah. That doesn't, wow. that's, <laughs> so that's just personally you and that person arguing. Oh yeah. Um, oh, but yeah. I loved it too. But also that sometimes that makes it less vitriolic to not have it public. Right. Yeah. No, it wasn't, it wasn't vitriolic. And, and I, you know, I do think it was the, the reason I, I've, you know, like I, it was part of like a journey of self-discovery and it was part of like learning how to have arguments and like, I wasn't good at it. I wasn't mm-hmm. having a good argument, but like, uh, it, it, I think that there was a component of it that like the reason I was doing it, not good motivations, just because like it was a, a combination of like anger and frustration and superiority. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I think that it probably helped me develop useful skills. Yeah, and I think that was there was a part of that for me too, where I you know I could also feel superior by not being either of these belligerent people and watching from mm-hmm. the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if I don't know, is there a way to learn how to be a proper human being without trying out being a terrible human being? <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, I think that the whole the the whole idea was to uh to watch other people be good at being humans and emulate them uh so so has, has that and, ever worked i i'm a very optimistic person so don't <laughs> you even ask i think it works i think it works 95 percent of the time yeah i'll take those odds like, yeah like louis ck definitely had a theory about that right where he said that your you know your kids are awful in elementary school because they're learning that when you're terrible to people it feels bad but you got to try mm-hmm. being terrible to people yeah and then you'll find out. <laughs> yeah oh and then and then the people who uh, who don't who think it feels good oh, that's, that's sad yeah. Yeah, that's, become that's bankers oh god don't oh. be 
Don't be so mean. There are lots of nice bankers. Simon, would you like to go on an anti-capitalist rant for us? No. We, we had no, an anti-capitalist right. protest in Montreal yesterday. Yeah. Did you see this? Oh. There was like 100 mm-hmm. people arrested in this. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I know a couple anti-capitalists. Yeah. They're, they're very nice. I will say they're, they're, and I know a lot of very nice bankers I as mean, well. I'm I mildly anti-capitalist, yeah. but. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got my issues. But yeah. on the other, like bankers are, you know, the only banker I know is my stepbrother or my brother-in-law and he's cool. He's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know my own banker. He's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Takes your money and makes you have more money. No, no. He mostly <laughs> uh, has, help, helps me set up LLCs uh, and, and start new accounts for my, my new things that I'm trying to do. Right. That's a very nice thing to do. He sounds like yeah. a good banker. Yeah, he's leaving. Unfortunately, he's leaving my town. He's the moving bastard. to Florida. He's getting a promotion, and he's going to be a, a manager at a bank in, in some place else. Man, those yeah. bankers—they just—they yeah. just don't care about you. No. <laughs> uh, Hank, I—I I was wondering. Tim and I were talking about this earlier. Um, how basically, like his his mom gives him a lot of flack about the work that he's doing. My mom gives me a lot of flack about the work that I'm doing. Do you, when was there, was there a point when all of a sudden you didn't feel like you had to justify yourself to people anymore for the work that you do? Ah, well. Like as an online, you know, content creator. There's, there was definitely a point, but as with everything that I have seemed to experience, that point is, uh, was on a continuum, uh, and it was. It was a lot of percentages were involved when I felt like I didn't need to justify myself to like uh, 5% of people probably was the moment where I kind of felt like I didn't need to justify myself to anyone anymore. Mm. Um, Like, you know, when when like 95% of people were were generally on board. Uh, And I think that I felt I feel like that had more to do with, uh, you know, the evolution of the platform Mm -hmm. than about like what I was doing on it. It also had to do with the amount of money I was making and that like it was a full-time <laughs> job and it worked. Um, but I never had to justify myself to my parents. Uh, there have always been like, do it, whatever it is. Well, I think that's uh, like, to be great. fair, that's what yeah. my mother actually does as well. But mm-hmm. she also enjoys telling me what else I could be doing in life. <laughs> Specifically things like taking a shower. And- <laughs> hey. <laughs> what else are parents for? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's... Most most of my experience of online video stuff has been uh, has been on continuums. We never had like big. We had a you know like we had over the years many times when like videos would do better than average, but it's been a very linear thing. Um, yeah. And uh, there there's never there there are few you know amazingly enough like there are very few inflection points that I can identify in my life. Um, especially my professional life where it was like, this moment Hmm. was the moment. Right. It's mostly just like, okay, I woke up and I'm going to do the thing. And like, I'm going to answer these emails and I'm going to make this video and then I'm going to go to bed. Uh, and just that for 10 years. Well, I guess that's, that's probably like people say that about history, right? That that's you, you sort of see those in, in reverse, like, and Mm -hmm. probably they were never actually true. But there become these moments that become the moment where something happened. Yeah. Like I'm in in thinking about how I would say, like when I would say YouTube really became justified in the eyes of the masses, like one of the moments would definitely be, you know, when you did like the, you know, YouTubers interview the president thing. Because it's like, yes. well, how much more mainstream can you get at this point? <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, that was definitely that that was definitely good for my credibility um, and, and for people like. Yeah, it was a very legitimizing uh, experience. I came came away from that, and like suddenly everybody in town was like, "Great job with the interview!" Like everybody <laughs> in, in Missoula, Montana, knew about that, uh, whether they knew who I was or not. And uh, you know, like small, like it was in the paper, and it was like nice. small small town boy makes good <laughs> kind of thing. Um, yeah, they're how, all very proud of me. How big is Missoula? Yeah. Sixty thousand people. Okay, wow. so it's the kind so of thing. Not, where, like, it's not super tiny. Like most size. most people can will have heard of you in Missoula. Uh no, I don't really? think so. Um, the you know it's a college town, so uh, most of I, I say a lot of the college students have heard of me because mm. uh, that's like the age range that I make content for. Right. Um, 
and then and then and then like in the the circles that I travel in, you know, like the kind of people who spend time downtown and the kind of people who go, uh, you know, like who work work in sort of like the economy of the town mm-hmm. rather than like uh, I don't know, like the, the, it's it is hard to, it is hard to not make the distinction between people who shop uh, in town and people who shop at Walmart. Uh, that is basically what I'm trying to say without being insensitive. But there is a well, definite distinction there between like people who go to the in-town grocery stores versus the people who do not. And when I go out to Walmart, I'm like, where am I? I drove like five minutes and I'm in a different city for sure. I do not know anyone and will never recognize anyone in this place. And none of them will recognize you. Yeah. Uh, in a way, that's useful. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, like- yeah I can always hide in Walmart. Have have you gotten used to like being being recognized by people having you know like like people fanning and stuff because like I have I have had very little experience with that which and it freaks me right out like I don't yeah. I don't know how to deal with it when someone like has a very strong attachment to me before I know anything about them and my my tendency seems to just be to like shut down right um to oh it's like especially if it's via the internet i will just not ho- know how to respond and i will tend to just not respond or like give a one word thing and then not know from there um yeah i mean the the problem is uh well it's a, it's a very new kind of social interaction but the, but like you actually never know what because i've done this a bunch of times now and you never know what they're expecting right and, and like not not because like you don't know but because like everyone like there's a very wide range of things that people expect. Some of them want a picture. Some of them want uh, to talk. Some of them just want to say something. Some of them just want to ask if you are indeed who they think you are, and then move <laughs> along. Yeah. Um, and so, like it, so it, it is. It is weird. And and some of them like want to talk to you for a half hour. Yeah. Um, I try to have like a sort of like stock question, like what video is it or like when did you start watching me or is it crash course or is it vlog brothers and like do a little market research okay and if they like <laughs> yeah. if i have if i have time if they have time i might uh, you know if like i'm not doing anything in particular i'll be like you know what else do you watch on youtube or you know are you in school in town or something like that just small talky stuff mm-hmm. but you never know what they expect or want um and it's uh and so it is it is weird because like yeah. You know, is this person coming up to talk to you and you don't know what they want from you? Yeah. And it it would be impolite for them to tell you. Uh, and so sometimes <laughs> I'm like, some, sometimes I'm like, do you want a picture? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, you got to ask because people who do won't say it. But yeah. now I feel weird because I asked and you said <laughs> no. And it makes me feel yeah. a little bit like a douche because like, I think everybody wants a picture with me. Uh, and yeah, and, and I have actually uh, had... I, I like the the thing I never wanted to have happen, which is I saw somebody looking at me and and like I thought like and and it was like in a way where I was like, oh, that person knows who I am. And so I went up and just was like, hey, I'm Hank. And they're like, OK, <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I, like it happened one time and I was like, OK, from now on, <laughs> I will never do that. <laughs> I will require them to come up to me because that was I will never forget that moment. <laughs> <laughs> but that can definitely like that can lead to some very awkward, you know, long wondering as well if you're waiting for them to make the first move. It's tricky. Yeah, yeah, you just I just ignore them. I yeah, like if if I see somebody I think is probably a fan and they and they're like looking at me and they're like is that who I think it is? Uh I'm like I I don't know. Maybe you just think I'm really attractive <laughs> and you're just talking to your friend about how stunningly handsome that man is. Wow, is that Lin Manuel Miranda over there? <laughs> <laughs> I know that um, like um, Montreal has been has been uh, sort of noted by a lot of, of famous people that it's a great city for them to be in because people will just like acknowledge to themselves that that's who they think it is and then move on with their lives and then tell all their friends yeah. like, dude, I totally saw like Lin Manuel mm-hmm. Miranda walking down the street. Mm. And that's yeah, that's how New story. York City is as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if if when I'm in New York City, if I get stopped by someone, it is always a tourist. Mm. It is always someone who's not from the city. Hmm. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm told that uh 
that Iceland is like that as well. Yeah. I, I met this uh, <laughs> this nerd fighter couple actually who live in Montreal, but the the girl is from Iceland, and they they are the only people who have ever like recognized me on the, on the metro system and That's awesome. like come up and said hey, and I was like oh just, like. And she she was like, yeah, like, I would never do this in Iceland because there are just, like, Iceland is so small that everybody sees all the celebrities. And so we, we just, like, we just know, it's not even, a, like, a big thing. We just know, leave yeah. them alone. They're tired of this. And everybody's probably yeah. cousins with a celebrity, too. It's quite possible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Father Bjork we should all sons. We should We should all live in places like Iceland where everybody gets to know a celebrity. Yeah. I well, agree. Well, I mean, Missoula, is, is Missoula a lot like Iceland? It's, it is. It is uh, maybe a bit like that. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I was once at an H and R Block about to do my taxes, and a guy stopped me because he was be- behind me in line, and he says, "Hey, I know you from somewhere." And we played the whole game of like, "Oh, do you go to school here? Do you go to church here? Do you live in this neighborhood?" And everything was firing blanks. And then at some point, I go, "Have you ever seen?" cabin nine on youtube this was years ago when tim and i were in a band together uh, and he's like yeah you make music with the acapella science guy and i was oh like God. wow cool that's, that's awesome. oh. i did that i i had that recently but it was an uh, it was at a the mp giants concert and uh and i i in los angeles so like no way i'm gonna know anybody mm. uh and a friend of mine is there and he and a friend of his is there and he's with his girlfriend and i'm like uh like I look at her and I'm like, because I'm from Missoula, Montana, small town. So I'm like, do I know her from from like, is she like a cash register or a waitress or like I've seen her a bunch of times, but I don't know where from. But it's L.A., so of course she's like, she was in a show that I watched, and I was like, <laughs> you're in a show I watched, and she was right. like, yeah, I do that. Uh, what show? And we talked, and then I was like, and then I realized like, you're not. Like super famous and wealthy, are you? You were just doing a part for a couple of years, and now you're out of work. <laughs> out of the movie Giants concert, yeah. so that's not so bad. I've had a. Uh, I don't know if she's. I don't know if she's out of work. She might be doing just fine. But <laughs> it knows? was weird because, like, actually recognizing because it doesn't happen to me that often. It happens mm-hmm. to me, not from me. Yeah, I've I've had I a couple Montana people where there aren't a lot of famous people. I've had a couple people walk up to me and were like, Sean. Like and it's always been the name Sean. <laughs> so somewhere there's a guy named Sean who looks a lot like me. Not since I've grown my beard, <laughs> but somewhere there's a Sean That's that great. looks a lot like me. And I, I, like, if if that happens to me again, someone goes Sean, I'll go no. But you're the seventh person to have said that. Can I meet him? <laughs> like like find out find out <laughs> yeah, his last can, name. Can you please like introduce me to Sean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Being a photo shoot together or something. So yeah, like, like you gotta movies. shave just so you can just so you can find Sean. I yeah. will. I will. I will shave. Hashtag I mean, shave for Sean. <laughs> <laughs> There's a. The, I have a doppelganger who works at the Thai Express in in Montreal. Is that pe- people call him? People <laughs> call him of, a- Asian Tim. Asian Tim in years. Yeah, I don't like, know if he wow. still works there. I think he does. He did a yeah? couple years ago. Yeah, huh. I still have never met him. He wow. just. He's mythic. One of these mythic people. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've also had people ask if I'm like a specific person's brother. Mm. So, mm. yeah, they're like, oh, hey, do you have a brother named Nick? Hey, nope. Hank, Hank, do you ever get asked if you're a specific person's brother? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like Lynn that's not, Miranda or something. That's not never happened to me. Yeah, for sure. um, can, th- there was a. Uh, back when I we first started making videos, like a year or two in, uh, I had a Wikipedia page, but it got taken down. And there was a, there was a conversation uh, in the background of the Wikipedia page, and I could read it myself. And the last note before they froze the the page because people were were uh, being too uppity, I guess, uh, was having a notable brother does not convey notoriety. <laughs> Oh dear! I have to tell my brother that. Uh, yeah, so I, uh, I I lost my Wikipedia page for a while, but oh it came dear. back. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what it's all that's what it's all been about. All this work, just <laughs> trying to get my Wikipedia page back. Your fame is measured in Wikipedia page inch, like inches, right? Like how many how many different sections? <laughs> that's do, definitely do they, not. That's oh man. Do they have Hank's Maybe personal fame. life yet? Like, yeah, you know. but not. Not important. There's <laughs> there's so many Wikipedia pages that are like I'm like why did this person get so much page? <laughs> because one person knew yeah, a lot a about them, fan. and uh, possibly that person themselves could yep. be. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, uh, 
Yeah. Um, I've since we're uh, you know we're getting to the the hour mark or so. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering for you know if there's anything that you would like to ask us or tell us as you know new new ish creators starting out in the world. Um, you know, any words of wisdom? Oh gosh! <laughs> <laughs> if that puts you on the spot, we can talk about llamas or something. We- That's fine. weirdly. Last night I was thinking like I was I couldn't sleep and I was thinking about why people make stuff. Mm. And I was thinking about the difference between a project and an idea. And like, this is not a good, hard definition. And I was very tired, uh, right. but I couldn't sleep. Uh, and I, I, I was thinking about like the things that I do because I want to do them. Like just the only reason I do is because like they, it's satisfying. Just the process is satisfying that that's never going to take me. Like it's never going to like for me, maybe for somebody, but for me, it's never going to give me like it's never going to become a a popular thing because mm. like I don't I don't know if I don't have that thing inside of me that lets me appreciate my own perspective enough to just to just go with it or if uh, or if it's you know, or if like it's it's just a limitation and it's just much less likely that something you're only creating for yourself will will be popular because like not everybody's exactly like you mm. uh but like for for me a, a project is something that i'm doing just because i love it and an idea is a thing that has that extra that extra thing that extra like i'm doing this because i think that something's going to happen mm. it's, okay. it, it's like going to make something in the world happen and that something is something that i will like that will be something that i want to happen uh and and knowing that that thing is there and identifying what i want what that thing is that i'm trying to do and uh and what it is about the idea that is actually like beyond just the creation of something that i enjoy and like and think that is good uh but the effect that i'm trying to have understanding it and uh and understanding why i think that idea is going to be good at having that effect uh is is i think what makes a good idea and 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 also that like ideas in general should be considered cannon fodder and you should just <laughs> throw like a, throw them because like like anything like songwriting like playing basketball the more you do it the better you get at it yeah. and it doesn't seem like having ideas should be something like that it seems like having ideas should just be a uh, like a thing that that Isaac Newton and Galileo are good at and, and the rest of us aren't. Uh, (laughs) But I think that Isaac Newton and Galileo were so good at ideas because they did it a lot. They constantly Mm. like, they were like, uh, like idea. I'd like, like they started out their careers uh, by, by wanting to, by, by, by wanting that. And they got better at it as their careers went on. Uh, Weirdly though, that's not something that always happens. Um, so like yeah I I I uh yeah I th- I think like understanding the sort of like the shape of an idea and also that uh also that like your one perfect blissful beautiful idea that's the best idea you've ever had is dog shit and just get a <laughs> get a new one tomorrow and all, like like I I think uh that the the most valuable thing about having and executing ideas is the experience uh in in understanding the, the process of both of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something that it was I, not practical advice. I apologize. <laughs> well, the thing is, often you you know you go with the best idea you have. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially if like yeah. you know if that's something that I've I've been uh, thinking about recently. This interplay between trying to make things that are really accessible uh, are like thing, things that yeah the the interplay between things that i I can see having like a really good effect on the world versus mm-hmm. things that I do just because I'm like, oh man, this is so good, like I gotta do this right like that's something that's something that I'm feeling a lot because so much of like you know what I do is just sitting with a science concept until I'm totally wrapped up in it, and I have all these obscure references that I'm like, this is genius, but no one is going to care about <laughs> right. um yeah, but like, but that doesn't mean that the tool that you now have of the understanding of that thing might not get wrapped up into an idea that uh, that might uh, that might have you know have some external effect that 
uh, and I think that a lot of the time, like that's what it's about. It's about like understanding the toolkit you have and understanding the effects that excite you. Yeah, and get like finding finding a way to get that perspective of like how does someone who isn't me react to mm-hmm. this? Mm. Yeah, because <laughs> that's yeah. so often I I don't know, and I think it's something that like as I've gotten more into making things like I've realized, Oh, you can just show people half finished things and see what they think. And that's a really that, easy way yep. to know. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and like, it also helps to have made like a, like three videos a week for the first year we made content because like you get a lot of data that way. Mm, yeah. True. And it also trains you, like you were saying, it trains you to have ideas all the time. Cause if you're doing three yes. videos a week, you kind of have to, right? Yes, it's good. It's, it was a good thing. And, I, and also, like, I think that, you know, you look at other people's successes and how their how their ideas are doing, how their titles and thumbnails and uh, are doing and, and like every, everything from like the, the practical nuts and bolts bits to like, um, you know, like rhyme scheme and meter and um, yeah. Have you yeah. been uh, have you been writing songs lately? I've been writing some songs, yeah. Uh, I, well, I'm about to go on tour again, and, and I had this, like, dream four months ago that, like, maybe I could get together some songs real fast and then get the band together real fast and have an album out in time. <laughs> so I wrote some songs, and then I realized just how completely absurd that was. Uh, but I did write the songs, and I have continued. Like, I, it's... Song like for me, songs uh, like songwriting is definitely a thing that is more about the process than about the idea, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and and uh, and and a lot of like the the thing that I get out of it is uh, is you know like is doing it is the, the the pleasure of doing it and also like the pleasure of being able to go on tour because that. Uh, I think that it's a, I think that it's a very enjoyable experience for the people in the crowd, uh, and, but mostly it's a very enjoyable experience for me. It's just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you won't be pulling a Beyonce anytime soon. I don't know what that means. You know, <laughs> just just low key dropping an album you didn't announce to anyone, and yeah, and also an hour long <laughs> no. movie to go along with it. Yeah. No. 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 That's okay. fair. Yeah. Cool. Well, Hank, thank you so much for joining us this week. Yeah, it's been a pleasure talking to you. It's been kind of a dream for us. Like yeah. we all oh, have loved you yeah. and John's videos forever. Yes, that's awesome. Literally ever. Well, it's 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 part of our whole strategy of how we are going to uh, to be taken care of after we become irrelevant is that all of our old viewers like you will become successful and amazing and take care of us. Sweet. Well, it's we're, like the, we're glad the, you have that faith in us. <laughs> like we'll the, certainly try our best. The, the grandparents right. retirement model of just like live off your yeah, children, exactly. except uh-huh. it, we are your children. <laughs> you are my children. All right. Well, daddy, thanks um. again. For <laughs> um, we're going to, we're going to just outro the show, but I'm going to ask you to stay on Skype for a bit so we can chat with you for a second after we uh, end the episode. Okay. If that's cool. All right. Perfect. Great. Take it away, Timmy. Every little thing I do never seems enough for you. You don't want to lose it again, but I'm not like them. Baby, when it did the What are the words? I don't know what song you're singing. You love somebody. Guess what? It's already May. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, All right. See you next week, guys. Bye. Bye.